Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. And yes, it is. It is my birthday and uh, I'm older than I used to be. I'll tell you, birthdays are kind of like cheap underwear. They, they keep creeping up on you, don't they? <laughs> Uh, you know, at this age in my life, I, I get more reflective. You know, you start thinking about uh, why am I here? You know, um, <clears throat> what is life about and, and how much healthy choice ice cream I can eat before it's not a healthy choice. <laughs> Still trying to figure that one out. You know, I spent a lot of time at the nursing home because uh, my mom's in assisted living. So I heard about these two ladies. Uh, they were uh, at the nursing home, they're rocking in their rocking chairs and, and they're getting worried. I said, I'm worried that my friends who have gone on to heaven, I've, I've lived so long that, that, that they think that I didn't make it. <laughs> and so I definitely don't want that to happen. Uh, uh, Patty and I will be celebrating our 36th wedding anniversary in just a few days. And uh, I was thinking about that, reflecting on that. It reminded me of an old couple that was reminiscing about the good old days and looking back over their marriage and and she looked at her husband. She said, she said, do you remember when you used to sit close to me? And so he slid down on the sofa and sat closer and said, do you remember when we used to snuggle? And he put his arms around her. And then said, do you remember when you used to nibble on my ear? And he got up and he started walking away. And she said, what's wrong? What, did I say something? She said, he said, I'm going to get my teeth. Well, today we're concluding our series called uh, Games People Play, and over the last several weeks we've been looking at common games that, that a lot of us play and, and seeing how they uh, really speak to us from God's Word. Now, today we're talking about uh, Connect Four. Connect Four is one of these interesting games you probably play as a kid. You probably don't have this uh, extra large version of it. I mean, we had the Connect Four that sits on the table and they had little checkers uh, but these are more like donuts. And we, I did play this a few weeks ago at game night, had a lot of fun with the, the kids playing this. But this is all about connecting. When you connect uh, four colors right in a row, that means that, uh, that you win. Now, there's a lot of strategy that goes on to this. And you have to look at all of the, the moves that you make because you know that one move may, in fact, uh, meet another move. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard to get uh, these connected. And you know, sometimes that's life. It seems like it's hard to connect. It's like that in, in relationships when, when you're trying to do whatever possible to connect in a relationship, to go a little bit deeper in a relationship, but yet it's like someone is pushing away. In the same way, uh, sometimes it's hard to get connected in a church. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of different things going on and, and, um, and you are, are the, they just push away. And so we have to really understand and learn how to work through that, to, to really think about strategies, think about life in general, think about how we fit in. Because here's the, uh, here's the point. In order to win in relationships, we must become better at connecting. In order to win in relationships, you've got to get better. Think about your circle of friends. Think about your family members. Think about those people at work. If you're going to win in relationships, you've got to get better at connecting. So start thinking about things that keep you from connecting. Uh, could it be that you're too busy? Could it be that, um, that there's not enough 
commonality? What are those things that you've got to, what kind of barriers do you have to remove so that you can truly learn how to connect on a deeper level? Now, I'm speaking to us as individuals, and we talk about connecting with each other. We're talking about connecting to the church. We're talking about also connecting with God. What are kind of those barriers that we have that we can remove to connect with God on a deeper level? Well, over the next few minutes, I want to take you to a story that Jesus told, a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 14. And it's about God's heart for connecting with people. That's the, the gist of the story in Luke chapter 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited a lot of people to this banquet. Uh, at the time of the banquet, he sent the servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now, to fully understand those two verses, you've really got to go back to the culture in which Jesus was speaking. And in those days, when you would create, uh, prepare a great banquet, you would typically send out two invitations. The first invitation would be saying, hey, we're going to have a great banquet uh, and we want you to come. Now, it would be vague on the day of the banquet because they couldn't be specific on the banquet in those days because they, they couldn't control the circumstances. They couldn't go down to Publix and buy more supplies. They couldn't go to Costco. They couldn't go to Kroger. Uh, they may have to wait for the cow to get fatter. They have to fatten up the cow. And so it is, it was, so it's kind of a nebulous. We're, we're inviting you to come to this banquet. That's the first invitation. And then those guests would anxiously await for the second invitation. The second invitation would say the feast is now ready. Come on, let's go. The feast is ready. It's time to party. Um, these folks would not know when this second invitation would finally be delivered, but they would be prepared to go, go to the banquet at a moment's notice. Now, the, the banquet we're talking about here, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It was a great banquet. It was a big-time feast. They didn't use plastic-plated deli trays, and they didn't have uh, pre-made hors d'oeuvres from the freezer counter. Uh, no, uh, they didn't have this rubbery chicken a la king, and they didn't have dry sheet cakes. It was a meal. It was a great banquet that was literally fit for a king. Now, they knew how to throw a party, and so many times in our world, when we think about banquets and we think about banquet food and the rubber chicken circuit, you know, uh, it's like that. When does it start? Well, it starts at seven and you're already thinking oh, we need to be out there by nine. And you have already strategized with your spouse or the people you're going with, you know, when you can leave and not offend the party. Okay. This was not that kind of way. This kind of banquet, it, this banquet, um, it was a huge celebration that people looked forward to going to this banquet. People wanted to be there. Well, most people wanted to be there. There are some people that, that started to give excuses. And as the story goes, there are several people who excuse themselves from, uh, from the party. And at times, all of us have made excuses. And sometimes there are just legitimate excuses. Life happens, doesn't it? 
Life happens. You know, we do a lot of events here at the church and, and we have the RSV list of folks that are said, yes, I'm going to be there. But, you know, every time we can count on 10, 15 percent of the people who said, yes, I'm going to be there not being there. Why is that? Life happens. And we get it. Sometimes life happens to us. And, and, and we get it. You can't do everything. But this is not the case in this situation. This is not the case. They started giving excuses that would say, really? This is an excuse? Now, I get that sometimes when I run into people out and about. Oh, Pastor Marty, uh, uh, how you doing? Uh, I hadn't been in church. You know, they love to confess. It doesn't matter where you're You could be pumping gas. You could be um, uh, at a restaurant or whatever. I, I am the receiving end of a lot of confessionals, okay? And, and, and I never ask. I just receive it, and I hear all kinds of information. And a lot of times I hear all kinds of excuses that like people like, and sometimes they are very creative, very creative. Uh, uh, one of the strangest ones, really, uh, was several years ago, this guy, sorry, Miss Church, last week, I was getting my oil changed. I thought, really? Between 10 and 12, that was the only time on, during the whole week that you could get your oil changed. Anyway, I hear them all, so I, I understand this. Um, and so here's this generous host that is throwing this banquet but then there's a couple of folks that started to make excuses. Next verse. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, oh, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Oh, please, please excuse me. Um, verse 19, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And then the other one said, oh, I just got married and, and I can't come. Well, on the surface, these seem like legit, right? These seem like, okay, we get it. We understand. These are legitimate excuses. But let's just go a little bit deeper, and let's just be gut level practical and honest here. How many of you will go buy a field, you're going to go buy land without ever seeing that land? Now, some of you may, but the majority of you, you're going to walk that land. You're going to look and see if the land drains. Uh, will it pass a pert test? You know, you look at a lot of different things when you're looking at land. Um, and you're going to probably, before you write that check, you're going to go see it. So, hmm, not a good excuse. The next one said, I just bought five yoke of ox. And now let's be practical here. These guys are farmers. Don't you think... Um, that he's going to try those five yoke of oxen out before he buys them to see if they can really cut the mustard, if they can do the work. I mean, it's like in our day, yeah, I'm, 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 I just bought a, a, a John Deere tractor. You know, you're going to do your research. You're going to figure out, is that tractor going to be able to do the job before you give them the money? And then the last one said, I just got married. I mean, poor old fella, that guy is henpecked before he even got out of the gate. And so you look at these, um, these excuses and you say, ah, mm, that's not really good enough. And the next verse, the, the servant came back. You know, this master had sent out the servant and, and he got these excuses. He came back and reported um, uh, to his master. Then the owner, the owner of the house, the guy that's throwing the big party, the great banquet, became very angry. He's ticked off. Man, I've been working on this event for uh, a long time. 
So he's angry. He ordered the servant, I want you to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town, and I want you to bring in the poor, and I want you to bring in the crippled, and I want you to bring in the blind, and I want you to uh, bring in the lame. Now, in this parable, Jesus is teaching that God has a heart for hurting people. God has a heart for hurting people. He specifically mentions the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And we see these descriptions and we get it. We understand it. We can visualize all four of those groups of people that fit under those categories. But let's kind of look at it again and expand it just a little bit. When Jesus says, go compel the, the poor to come in, could it mean those people under-resourced? Yes, of course it does. But in Matthew, he talks about those being poor in spirit. Could it mean those? Maybe so. You know, those people who are poor in spirit, those people who are depressed, those people who are discouraged, those people who've had a hard season of life. He is saying there's room at the table for those people who've gone through the difficult season of life. You're discouraged and depressed. And what he's saying here is that God has a place at his table for those people who have broken lives and they're hurting. There's room at the table for people who are not perfect. Because this table is to be a table uh, that that helps foster community and connection. And when we're connected, we can, find, uh, we can find the strength through others. We're to be a healing place for a hurting world. What about uh, the crippled? Now, we think about the crippled, and we think about those individuals that can't, be, can't walk. You know, those people that maybe they're in a chair, maybe they're with a walker, maybe they're in a walking cane. The crippled folks. But could it mean... Those people who've been crippled by a financial reversal. Those people who've been crippled by a divorce. Let's think about divorce for a minute. What does the Bible say about divorce? You know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. Why do you think it says that? I think it says that because divorce hurts people that God loves. And God is a God of love. And when I have seen so many people that go through the pain and the difficulty of a divorce, I don't wish that on anybody. And God says, I hate divorce because I don't want to see my children hurting and my children in pain. Could it mean that those people have been crippled by that? He says, I've got a place at the table for you. Those people that are hurting and, and crippled by that. Go on, verse 21, it says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleyways into the town and, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Well, what about the blind? Now, we immediately think about those people who are sight impaired. But could it mean those people, but it, could it also mean those people who have been blinded by the world? They've been, they're spiritually blinded. They're, they're lost and, and uh, they, they just can't see where they're going. And how about the lame? 
Oh, we know about the lame, but could it mean this? Those people who have never been given a chance to walk. Never been given a chance. They've never been given an opportunity. They've never had that chance. You know, and some of you feel like that, that, that if I could only have a chance at this position, I could prove myself. I could roll up my sleeves and I'll work hard and I'll show everybody that I can handle this. But just give me a chance. You, you understand that. You feel the emotion behind that. You're just looking for an opportunity. Could it be that he's saying that those lame people, those people that have never begun a chance to walk, to embrace that, that opportunity? So that servant goes out and brings those people in. Verse 22 says, what you've ordered... It's been done, but there is still room. I've done exactly what you told me. I brought all of those people in, but there is still room. And the master told that servant, I want you to go out in onto the roads and the country lanes and what make them come in so that my house will be full. Go make them come in. Go, go, go compel them. Do whatever it takes. I want uh, you to come and uh, in and I want you to go make them come in so that my house will be full. Now this is a story about bringing in the broken. This is a story about people who are lost. This is a story about people who need healing. This is a story that God says to all, I have a place at the table for you. I have a place for you. I want you to go. But then it says this, it says to us who are seated at the table, it says to you and to me that we have a responsibility we have to be the ones that go and make them come in, to go and compel them to come in. And, and that really goes against the grain of our culture. And I live in the same world that you live in, okay? And we have this cultural view of tolerance to the point where we don't really care if somebody has a personal relationship with Jesus or not. We don't care because, you know, we're going to be tolerant. They have their truth. We have our truth. And we just let it be. And we've got to be respectful and all that. And so sometimes this culture of tolerance has just covered us where we just go on and say, well, you know, they'll figure it out or we'll figure it out or, or you know, and we don't, we don't do this verse. We don't compel people. I'm saying we here because I'm in the boat with you. This is all of us. And I'm not talking about getting on the street corner with a sign that's offensive, you know, and screaming at people. No, no, no. I'm talking about being nice to people. Nice enough to have a conversation with them. And that conversation may end up with this thing, well, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? That's what I'm talking about. Just sharing your story. Just tell somebody. You see, so many times we feel like we can't share our faith because we're not really, we don't know enough. Well, look, just don't try um, 
to go deep with a person scripturally that's not even a believer? Here's the point. Your friends are not looking for a lesson in theology. They are looking for hope. And so many times we say, well, I just don't know enough of scriptures. Look, your friends are not looking for a lesson in theology. We can handle that end. We can do that part. But we can't do what you can do. We can't invite your friends because we don't know them. Your friends are just looking for hope. Your friends are looking for hope. And when you talk to them, don't look down on them. Don't preach to them. Don't judge them. Just share the good news. Just say, look, this is how my life was, and this is how it is now. Just tell your story. Nobody is better at telling your story than you. It's your story. Jesus is saying, make them come in. We need to be proactive. We need to take the initiative. But here's the problem. When it comes to taking the initiative and compelling people to come to church, here's the problem. We really like empty seats. I mean, we do. I mean, you think about it. When you go to a movie, you're hoping that nobody sits beside you in the movie, right? When, uh, how about this? Some of you travel a lot, and when you get on uh, the airplane, especially in coach, you say a prayer on the way, oh, Lord, please don't let anybody sitting, be sitting in the seat beside me. Because you, you want to be able to stretch out. You want to be able to lay down if you need to lay down. You want your elbow room. So we bring that into the church, and we like empty seats. But an empty seat in church is a serious matter. Because an empty seat in church means that there's a somebody's missing. There are four things I want to talk to you very practically from this passage. Here's the first one. Every empty chair represents someone who is missing. Every empty chair represents a person. That chair represents a person. Those chairs represent a group of people. Every chair represents an opportunity for somebody to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Every chair is an opportunity. For years, as I preach, I often preach to empty chairs. And the reason I preach to empty chairs is that I believe that one day that seat will be filled with a person who is right now far from God, but we believe that this is a safe place where they can hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and that we believe by experiencing that life-changing message of Jesus that they'll be saved. We pray that those seats will be filled. We pray that they'll be filled with people who are currently far from God, not with perfect people. Not with perfect people, people who are messed up. Because you see, God has prepared a banquet, a lavish banquet, and he says, come. A lavish banquet, come. Verse 23, then the master told the servant, Go out in the roads and country lanes and make them, compel them to come so that my house will be full. 
Notice this, the master told his servant, you and I, we are servants. We're servants of the Lord. Make them come in so that my house will be cool. And you said, oh, come on, Marty. Come on. You're just trying to build a big church. You're just trying to, to build a big church. Isn't our church big enough? That's a real question, isn't it? Isn't our church big enough? We don't grow for our benefit. We grow because people need the Lord. We grow because people need the Lord. So the question is not how big should we get the real question we should be asking ourselves is should anyone be left behind? That's the question. Should anybody be left behind? And that's why we have to work week in and week out and we have to serve and we have to give because, so that we can present the message of Christ in a compelling way. But it takes more than that. It takes all of us having those conversations, being kind to people, and just saying, hey, I want you to come to church on this Sunday. A church that does not reach out is basically looking at the world and said, it's okay, you can go on to hell. We must understand that people matter to God and they should matter to the church. That people matter to God and they should matter to the church. People matter to God and they should matter to me. I should care enough about people to be kind, to smile at them. I should care enough about people just to pause to say, hey, how you doing? I'm not asking you to do, to jump through a lot of hoops. I'm just asking you to be kind to people. And I believe that in your kindness, God is going to take that conversation that you have and give you an opportunity to turn that conversation toward a spiritual conversation. And just maybe you will have an opportunity to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? That's it. That would be your part in this experience here. Your part. And it is such an important part. So important. Second thing, I said there's four things. Here's number two. Christianity is not a solo sport. God calls us to connect with others. And I think connecting with others is truly some of the most important things that we can do. We're a part of this, but we're one part. But when you see all of us together, you see that our influence is so much greater. This past uh, spring, they had uh, the National Spelling Bee. I think here's a picture of the, the, the person that won the National Spelling Bee. And uh, the interesting thing, uh, this is the word that he had to spell, koinonia. 
Now, the, the interesting thing, koinonia, it's a biblical word. It's a biblical word uh, that means connecting, a spiritual connection. Uh, it's, it's the fellowship. It's about us connecting together. It's interesting to me that uh, watching Good Morning America and then watching The Five on Fox, I watched those two shows right after the spelling bee, and they were sitting around in a group trying to figure out what koinonia means, that they were clueless. I don't want you to be that person and be clueless. You need to know what koinonia, and it talks about spiritual community. It's about spiritual connection. It's about joining together um, in the presence of the Lord with other people. Have you ever been to a, a party alone? You know, you walk in that party and you feel like an outsider and you feel awkward and you go in for a few minutes and you're trying to figure out where's the door where I can get out of here or let me just go say hello to my boss and then I'm hitting the road, you know, that kind of thing. Do you know that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Stevens Creek Church? And when, and some of you have long forgotten this, your first Sunday in this auditorium has some moments of awkwardness. It's just awkward. Because you have this picture of what you think church is supposed to be. Or maybe you had this picture in your mind of the church you grew up in, and this place does not resemble that at all. And, and you feel like, okay, I was going to the church, but this doesn't seem like church. And then it's kind of awkward. And then, you know, people know each other, but you don't know them. It's awkward. So here's what we must do. Not only out there, but in here, we must be kind to each other. And realize you may be looking in the eyes of a person who this is the very first time that they've been in Stevens Creek Church or maybe been in church ever. Or maybe this is the person that says, you know, if I walk inside of a church, uh, the, the roof will cave in. Well, this could be that moment that something has prompted that person to be here. So we have opportunities to be kind and to help lead that person um, and just to connect. So let's just be real practical. So what's up with the Connect 4 game? Well, it's just a good game people play that really connects uh, checkers with people. But what if we actually did a Connect 4 in a real way? What if we set a goal for each one of us? What if we said, okay, over the next few months, we're asking the Lord to allow us to connect with four people to say this question, hey, won't you come to church with me Sunday? Just four. Just four different people and just say, hey, won't you come to church? Because we'll become the koinonia, the, the fellowship. I believe by doing that, that we're living out this passage. And, and what... What we're trying to do here is understand how do we live out the Bible. And so that's why we do things like this. We're just trying to teach practical ways about how you live out the Bible. So take four people, work on connecting with them, and let's just believe. Okay, I can win. 
four. I won. If we can connect four people, I believe that we'll be living this out. Okay, let's move on. I said there's four things. Here's the third one. here's, Here's the important part. God wants disciples, not just converts. He wants disciples. He wants people in his family. And it's important for us to, uh, discipleship is about spiritual growth. It's about really uh, understanding uh, the Bible and living it out. We have small groups that help you do that. And on August the 26th, uh, out in the atrium and in the lobby, you're going to have an opportunity to connect in a small group. Our dream at Stevens Creek is that every seat will be filled and every person will be connected. And that everybody is on the road to discipleship in a small group. Here's the fourth thing and the final one. Don't be a seat filler. Be someone who fills seats. Now, this word seat filler, uh, that's an urban term in our culture. A seat filler is somebody that, that you brush up with somebody, uh, but you really don't know them. They kind of live in the shadows away. These seat fillers are like for the Oscars. You know, the famous people leave, and then they need a, a, a seat filler just to, to, to fit in that place. We have hundreds of people at Stevens Creek who are like seat fillers. They're, they live out in the shadows. Probably, let me be honest, thousands of people. You know, there are four or 5,000 people or maybe even more that you meet in this community that say, oh yeah, I'm a Creeker. Yes, I love Stevens Creek. And, um, and I'm telling you, they come up to me all the time. I'm a creaker. I'm a creaker, and and it has been a long time since I've seen them. And so, we can't live in the shadows. We can't be up in the stands. But God wants us to come down and be on the playing field. And so, we need not to be a seat filler. We need to one be the one who fills seats and say, "Hey, come on with me." Well, our time is up. But I see this heart of God. God has a generous heart. And he says, go compel people, the lame, the crippled, the blind. Compel them to come. When I was talking about that a few minutes ago, maybe that resonated with some of you, the poor, the poor in spirit, those who are discouraged. I want to say to you that God has a place at the table for you that he has created this banquet, and this may be your first time here. He has created this banquet for you. He has a place here. Are you going to accept his invitation? Are you going to come? Over the next few minutes, Pastor Todd's going to come. He's going to sing a song, and I just want you to open up your hearts to this music and allow it to speak to you. Then at the conclusion of that song, I'm going to come around, and we're going to have a closing prayer together. shattered by the fall broken and forgotten feeling lost and all alone summoned by the king to the master's cause 
some of you feel like that today, that, that you are so broken and discouraged and depressed that you couldn't even make it besides somebody feeling like somebody carried you. God is here to carry you. God is here to change you. You don't have to continue living like you have been living. what I need you to do is just simply say, God, I give my life to you. 
all my brokenness, all my shame, all my weaknesses, all that. I just, I'm giving, I am surrendering to you. That's what I'm asking. Just, just being honest. Just say, God, I'm yours. Take my past, my present situation. I trust you with my future. I'm giving it to you. Today's your day. Today's your day to say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Today's your day to pray that prayer. Let's all stand together for this time of prayer. Father, we stand in your presence today. And we open our our hearts to you and we ask that you would have your way in this auditorium. To those individuals that have never made a decision to follow Christ, this is the prayer. I want you to pray. Say, Jesus, save me. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Father, I pray not only for those, but I pray for those families here that they feel beaten up and battered and worn out. I pray, God, that you would give them supernatural energy and strength, that, that you would give them the hope that they've been looking for. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray, Father, for those families that are getting ready for kids to go to school this semester, those teachers that are preparing. I pray, Father, for the families that have college students going off. It's a, an emotional time to see those, those students take that next step. And I just pray that you would just cover them today. I pray for those families that are dealing with sickness and disease. God, that you would bring encouragement and healing. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name, we pray this. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks so much for coming today. Yes, give them praise. Look forward to seeing you next week. Pastor Dave Willis will be with us next week, so you don't want to miss that day.